1: uh, virtual health coaching sessions and corporate wellness programs, all the information at High5HealthAndFitness.com.
0: It is Christine Conti And I'm
1: Brian Prendergast. And we are
0: Two Fit Crazies. And the microphone. We are where it's at.
1: Oh, man, we are far, far away is where it's at today. We're in a totally different
0: day. <laughs> We're in the future today on oh. our episode All right. So what this means is that we have an amazing guest by the name of Rob Hutchings, who is coming to us from New Zealand, New Zealand. And I'm going to we're going to talk about how um, you're going to have to listen to the beginning of the episode to hear how uh, Rob and I cross paths because it's really funny. And I did not. How the heck you meet
1: somebody from New Zealand? yeah
0: yeah yeah the interwebs so, needless to say it's such a good it's such a good story of how we cross paths and he he just launched a book um and oh my gosh it's it called, is called
1: down river nomad
0: yeah he he's got an amazing story of how he grew up in what newfoundland canada mm-hmm. right and he got into swimming and then got into or triathlon when he was younger and has lived all over the world and now is an unbelievable, what, ultra swimmer?
1: Mar- marathon swimming, they call it. And, and he, he prefers the downriver marathon swimming, uh, the longest rivers in the South Island of New Zealand. And it's unreal, unreal. So you would think, Rob explains, you know, hey, down river, piece of cake, right? You no. float, you go with the current. Yeah, current goes quickly, and there are all sorts of, uh, you know, things from whirlpools <laughs> to currents to navigate and rocks and and uh, you know, and and we're not talking like you know a couple miles at the beginning of a triathlon here. We're talking like two hundred and fifty-six kilometer river. Right. Explain kilometers for our listeners in the United States. Well, 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 that's it. Took him four and a half days to swim that, and he was covering roughly a marathon per day, so you know, twenty six miles or so. Let's just say uh, almost fifty k, you know, forty to fifty k.
0: We need to get him a back day. on the show because we didn't get a chance to talk to him today about some things like what are you eating? Like well, I, we got into I, so I, much that. There's so many questions.
1: Yeah. We just touched the surface. Oh my gosh. Uh, But you know, really, really extreme swimming feats here. Sea turtles. And, and not again, you can't be, you're in the middle of a long eight hour type of endurance swim where at any moment you will have to sprint out of trouble. Sprint meaning swim as fast as you can out of trouble to you know, to avoid the whirlpool or whatever those things I just mentioned. So
0: all of us that are marathon runners, like we got nothing on that. <laughs> like we're, we're not just running our you know our look, pace and then all of a sudden sprinting look, and I'm then not, running. You know, I'm not running a marathon a day for four and a half
1: days mm-hmm. uh, personally. Maybe well, you know someday, yeah. but. I'm sure as hell not swimming it, <laughs> right? We got a madman on our hands here, he's and great. He's, awesome. he's, really he's great. He's really great. He's really great. You know, again, uh, uh, expat Canadian uh, living down uh, in in New Zealand, mm-hmm. and you know, lived uh, in a few other places again. So the nomad part of, uh, of the book title is there. Um, again, not we didn't get too much into that, but really, just exciting. Funny stories and, uh, you know, I really enjoyed this conversation. It was a lot of fun.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Let's roll. Let's roll. Let's get into this. Two Fit Crazy in a Microphone podcast. Enjoy. <laughs>
0: Christine Conte. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are two fake crazies. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Okay, you know where it's at today, listeners and Brian? Yes. Where? Let's go. Tell me. New, not New York. (laughs) Not not, New Jersey. Not New Jersey. (laughs) Not New Mexico. I mean, we could keep going. (laughs) But I will tell you, we are in New Zealand. Yeah. You heard it, listeners. (laughs) Um, We are traveling. We always travel around the world, but I love when we get other perspectives from other countries, what's happening around the world. And we have the amazing Rob Hutchings with us today. Rob, how are you?
2: Great. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me. And we're in the future down here. It's uh, Saturday morning, a Friday afternoon for you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Unreal. Now, I got to say, uh, you know, you're in New Zealand, but you just don't sound like a Kiwi, Rob. What's going on here?
2: No, I, uh, I can't uh, convince any Kiwis that I was uh, born here. I'm from Newfoundland in Canada, so just above where you guys are. Um, but uh, I've had a pretty nomadic life in my triathlon and marathon swimming adventures. I've lived in five countries and have for the last three and a half years and hope to stay here in New Zealand.
1: Very cool. You know what? And Christine was rattling off those news New York, New Jersey, New Mexico. I was going to say Newfoundland. Mm -hmm. And imagine that. (laughs) I almost stumbled upon the the hometown (laughs) there.
0: All right, ready? Best story. This is another good story before we even start. That we were just talking off air, and I was telling, I'm like, Brian, this is going to be such a great episode. Wait till you hear Rob's stories. And, you know, I was looking back and I'm like, how the heck did I ambush Rob to get on the podcast? Because I always say, you know, none of our guests just, you know, fall out of the sky into our studio or airwaves. And I'm looking back and it's because we're both members of this social media group called Pathetic Triathletes. And that's right. (laughs) And what's interesting is. Rob, neither one of us are really that pathetic. I'm going to throw that out there. However, I just, I love this group, and you had written something in there, and I was like, this guy's awesome. Like, I want to talk to him. And I can't wait for you to talk about the crazy just swim adventures and cycling, and I mean, everything that's a part of your book. I don't want you to give everything away today, but how in the heck did you get involved in such amazing feats let's start there
2: well uh just backpedal a second we you know we met uh virtually through the pathetic triathletes group i mean um i am not an elite athlete in terms of uh you know i'm genetically definitely not elite um i come from a line of alcoholics and i like to compare myself to kung fu panda uh (laughs) genetically um he's my spirit brother i love kung fu panda (laughs) me too too (laughs) <laughs> but um, basically, yeah, I mean, I grew up in Newfoundland, Canada, um, and I was the, I've always been a very, very active little kid. Uh, you know, I was into skiing and tried all the sports that, you know, were popular in America and Canada, you know, like baseball and basketball in particular. And my biggest problem is I cannot throw a ball straight. Anything that involves aiming for a target can't be done. You know, uh, ball handling skills just don't exist for me me and despite hard work failed miserably um, and I was on my grade seven basketball team and my I was basically uh, a bench warmer and pretty miserable about it and um, basically I asked my coach once if we could play if I could play the final few minutes of a game we were up by 30 points and he snarled at me and told me to sit down and never talk to him again. So uh, basically about a year later um, after not a year about maybe nine ten months later after being fairly miserable about not being able to be athletic, with all my energy, I decided to join the swim team. And what I loved about swimming uh, right away was that didn't matter if you weren't very good, you could, you know, the coach was going to let you race, even if you were the last, last to finish. And that was certainly the case my first several months. And uh, yeah, then I uh, two triathletes in my hometown of Cornerbrook, Newfoundland uh, really caught my eye on the pool deck. Um, At the time in 1989, one of the top triathletes in Canada um, his name was Scott LeDrew. He was training with us. He was about uh, 25, 26 years old at the time. I was uh, not quite 14. And uh, he was a source of inspiration and then uh, a junior-aged triathlete. He was 19 at the time. Um, his name was Jamie Merrigan. I approached him on the pool deck. He was the top junior triathlete in Cornerbrook at the time. And I said, hey, I want to be a triathlete like you. And one of the older kids on the swim team kind of snickered and said, you know, uh you know you'd never be able to do a triathlon and you know uh, who do you think you are and uh, told Jamie not to waste his time helping me but Jamie despite being you know when you're a teenager five or six years older is you know a significant age difference he offered to help me he started helping me learn how to run interval training and you know cycling and all that sort of stuff so uh yeah I mean it took a few years my first triathlon was uh it was a pretty crazy uh, experience where I didn't have a clue what I was doing, and I wrote that about, in my book, of, and that would probably make me the poster child pathetic triathlete, that, uh, that particular triathlon. You're in good company, um, Rob. Don't you worry. <laughs> uh, my, my first triathlon, I slammed headfirst into the, into the first buoy, which was about 50 meters off uh, from the start. Uh, the swim was about a kilometer long. I probably swam closer to two. I was on a $200 bike that I thought at the time was top-range triathlon gear. I later learned how much top-range bikes actually cost. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, But, yes, I mean, basically I went from, you know, I mean, um, you know, I had these guys around me who were older than me but were very willing to help me out. And, you know, the guy who said, you know, I'd never be able to do a triathlon, and, you know, who do you think you are? I mean, I was standing on the pool deck for a few moments after thinking, I don't really know who I am yet. But whoever I'm going to be, I'm going to be a triathlete. So uh, that was how that started.
1: That's that's amazing. I love it. it's, you know, it's like one of those like uh, after school specials where the kid is you know getting laughed at by the other kids, and then he goes out and proves them wrong. It's like you know, it's,
0: it's everything. Um, I feel I, I, you. I, there's some, there's some empathy going on right now. Of, well, oh proving people wrong
2: didn't it didn't happen overnight. I got to say, because like I say, my athletic ability is not. Awesome. I mean, everything that I've achieved in triathlon and marathon swimming has been, you know, kind of mindset of hard work. Um, but, um, you know, so it wasn't like an overnight, I'm going to prove you wrong. Because like I said, my first triathlon, I I finished, but I, I don't know if I proved him wrong <laughs> in that particular race. You
0: finished. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I I did, the, yes. the first <laughs> of anything is like you finish and that's just... And a huge accomplishment in and of itself, which sometimes our listeners get. You know, we, we have guests on, and, and you know, sometimes they're achieving these feats that seem impossible. And it's like, no, listen, just try one foot in front of the other. How do you start running? Okay, well, start walking. How about that? And then
2: absolutely, just
0: finish. Just, you know, that was the goal of my first cool. Ironman. Finish.
2: Yeah. Don't die. Actually, Absolutely. don't die
0: was the first one. Never. <laughs> never and then don't finish. <laughs> <and> then finish. <laughs> never
1: underestimate the power of want to. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. and that's that's a whole lot of what I'm hearing right now.
0: All right. So now take us forward because there's you know there's one thing from I want to be a triathlete I'm going to train to some of the things that you have then accomplished. How did this whole
2: I guess well. My first, my first triathlon, I actually had to lie about my age because he had to be 14 to enter and I wasn't going to be 14 for another several weeks. So I lied about my entry hmm. and fast forward three years where I just put my heart and soul into training and I was starting to find my feet. Like I still at age 17, I wasn't, you know, uh, it wasn't like I'd transformed into, um, you know, an elite athlete by then. But, um, at during my teenage years, my father actually went off the rails. He was, always you know something of a drinker and in my early years i'd compare him to homer simpson you know he had the sense that he cared but drank a bit drank a bit too much and that sort of stuff but Mm -hmm. starting around the time you know usually i would trace it back to age 14 but maybe between 15 and 16 in particular he really went off the rails and at age 17 um basically a transformational moment was I'd had a miserable performance in a 1,500-meter freestyle at a swim swim event after, you know, kind of an awful fight with him a few months prior. And um, I was at a triathlon in Truro, Nova Scotia, which is just, um, you know, just west of Newfoundland. And I just had the worst confrontation with my father who was drunk. You know, he, he had physically attacked me. That was the first time he did that, two days before this particular race. So I was coming into my own as an open-water swimmer. And at that time, I was still you know, not really keeping up with the guys I was training with on the bike, but I was starting to learn how to run pretty well. And uh, this particular triathlon, I was standing at the water's edge just waiting for the gun to go off. And uh, I was like, right, my life can go in one of two directions. I can either go down the path of being an alcoholic or, you know, following the, you know, several generations of my male relatives who did that. Or I can throw myself into this and I just said, you know, I won't use the language, but uh, you know, f it. I'm, um, you can use the language know, not, on this show. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. You know, I, I, I just, I, 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 was, I was basically standing there thinking, right, uh, what's my life going to be like? And um, you know, I, I thought to myself, you know, this is the day where I'm gonna where I'm gonna find out. And I just said, fuck it um i might not stand a chance against the guys on this on the bike ride but all of them are going to have to make up a hell of a lot of ground and hurt like hell to catch me today after the swim and the gun went off 30 40 seconds later and i basically annihilated everyone in the swim and i was expecting my usual pattern of you know by that stage before that i'd come out relatively well in the water in some triathlons like not bleeding but i was expecting the pattern of being passed by 20, 30, 40 athletes, you know, within 10 to 15 minutes on the bike. And on that day, it took the top pro triathlete um, well over halfway into the 40K bike to catch me. Hmm. And I almost ran him down. Uh, like I say, he was a guy I'd never been able to stay with. So I went from, you know, a few years ago, you know, just stumbling through my first triathlon to just, you know, uh, it was my my favorite performance because of what I had to overcome to get there. And uh and then that basically I, I look back on that day what shaped my adult life is uh, you know, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna, you know, be miserable and, you know, drink whenever I don't want if I if something's not going my way, am I gonna do that or am I gonna be a triathlon and something's going my way or something's not going my way, how am I gonna And well I'm forty six now and still doing it, so <laughs>
1: All right. Well, I got to tell you. Yeah. Um I come from a decently long line of alcoholics myself. Uh and mm-hmm. I uh you may you made the obviously on hindsight and I don't think anyone would say you didn't make the right decision, but you made the uh you you made the tough decision. You did you took the hard way, mm. right? Because the easy way uh, and and the way that I took right because I didn't have to t- I didn't want to take anyone's word for it I had to try it all myself right rob so I uh-huh. I I followed in the you know in that seemingly long line of alcoholics and uh you know and I am one uh recovery thankfully um, and mm. nothing that I have today is without that. Uh, that's for sure. Mm. Um, Christine does, wouldn't hang out with a guy like me if, uh, if I wasn't, um, we know. all have our demons.
0: We need them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was,
1: I was fun, but I was no fun. Um, and, and, you know, really, like I always say that the, sometimes, you know, the, the best, the best way to go is usually the hard way. And you mm-hmm. took the hard way. The easy thing for you to do would just be f- follow suit.
2: Yeah, I mean it's uh I mean I in retrospect, like I mean I went uh, it wasn't until after age thirty three or thirty four that I would even let myself touch a you know, a glass of wine. Like I mean I'm kinda of fortunate I've never actually liked beer. Um I have weird taste buds I've never actually the hell liked. And how kinda Canadian <laughs> are you? Yeah, very un Canadian thing to say, <laughs> I think. Uh and uh but um no, I mean it took me uh, you know more than 20 years to actually allow myself to even touch a glass of wine. Um, Cause I was, you know, I, I won't say frightened, but I mean, I just didn't want to go down that road. And, you know, I mean, when I started writing my book, which was incidentally the second day of the first lockdown we had here in New Zealand in March, 2020, you know, I started reflecting on a lot of this stuff. And one of the things I talk about in my book is the aspect of control. And I, I, had this idea that by doing triathlons and you know and also marathon swimming which I also got into as well I was taking control of my life and then at some point you realize you know different things happen and then you start to realize you know you, you don't have control you have influence and you can make decisions and all that sort of thing but at the end of the day you don't really control outcomes um, and uh, you know cuz Um, and in in retrospect, like right at the end of my book, when I was swimming down the big river, which we'll talk about shortly, you know, I, I, I recognized that my, my father, you know, he went off the rails. Uh, he wasn't really in control after a while. He, uh, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, you know, absolve responsibility or anything like that. But I mean, uh, the aspect of control really became apparent to me when I got into swimming down big rivers, uh, that had, Mm -hmm. uh, rapids and. Uh, and that sort of thing, um, and you don't control the river, you can go with the flow and uh that sort of thing, and have a skill set to try to you know do the best you can, uh but at the end of the day, you're not in control of outcomes and uh that was a big uh, big lesson for me that I talked quite a bit about in uh when, in my writing.
0: you know what I always wonder is that for i mean for all of us and a lot of the people listening that are athletes that you know we put ourselves in these uncomfortable situations and constantly you know we will train and we will push that you know we we get so much more than just the physical or you know yeah you're mentally tougher but at the end of the day i mean What you're talking about with understanding behaviors, understanding aspects of control, understanding triggers, you know, understanding yourself so you can better understand other people in the world and why they do and act the way they do. I always wonder, like, what – do other people miss out on these learning opportunities? Are there other things that people do that gives them the same education that being, you know, an athlete or competing in something – Well, I would
2: say what what I've uh, talked about extensively with my wife, my my wife's very active. Um, You know, she does, we do a lot of cycle touring and hiking holidays. Down here in New Zealand, we call hiking tramping, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, learning the language down here. But, um, (laughs) you know, and we uh, um, and she does yoga with me and that sort of thing, but she's never actually been competitive. And one of the things I realized when, um, you know, I met her, I met her just a couple of weeks before I turned 30 um you know she has her creativity passion and i would say it doesn't necessarily have to be an endurance event or you know sport and that sort of thing to find you know and learn how to push yourself or learn how to um you know um all these lessons that you know we as triathletes and you know other endurance athletes learn in this in the sports i think the most important thing is finding something you're just really passionate about and uh you know uh, doing what you love, follow your heart, do what you love and whatever that might be. And, you know, if you like painting a picture or doing an Iron Man or writing a poem or writing a book or singing a song or playing a musical instrument, if you have a real, you know, passion towards doing anything, uh, I think that is helps people with the mindset of, you know, a, you know, having a really, you know, wonderful life, but also, uh, you know, staying away from some of those vices. And if you don't have something you're passionate about, it's probably easier to, um, to fall, to fall off the rails.
0: But secretly, aren't we like the more tough, awesome people? <laughs> I mean, not to say that <laughs> out loud, but like, there's a, there's a level here, you know, it's a level.
2: <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there's definitely an intensity that comes with any kind of uh, endurance sport training that, uh, you know, a lot of other people probably wouldn't understand. So uh, or, you know, hopefully someday could experience. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I've become very passionate, you know, in my adulthood about, you know, just doing what's uh, making me happy and whatever I think, right, follow my heart and do it. And, uh, that's what led me to, uh, eventually start swimming down big rivers.
1: <laughs> All right. You've mentioned it a couple of times. We have to get into this. Let's get into. this. What the yeah. heck are you talking about? Down River nomad is the name of the book. So if that tells you anything, <laughs> this makes me so
0: uncomfortable. This whole idea of swimming down um, big rivers right. go.
2: Yep. Well, uh, basically like, said you know, I've been a triathlete and a marathon swimmer for many, many years now, since I was 13 and, um, uh, when I moved to New Zealand, um, I came across this particular event. Um, it was run by a uh, organization called the Fear Society, and that's the Fiordland Endurance and Adventure Racing Society, Fear Society. And one of the events they had was a swim across the beautiful Lake Tiano down in the Fiordlands, down what's called the Wiau River, um, which is about 22 kilometers. Um, and incidentally, that's the river they use for the filming in uh, the – Lord of the Rings, the original Lord of the Rings movie. Uh, I've forgotten the name of the fictional river in the in the movie, but uh, that's the river that they used. And then you come out of the river and you swim across a Fjordland Lake called Lake Manipuri. And when I saw this event, I was like, right, okay, that's something I just got to do. I'd, I'd never really done much river swimming before. So I went and did that, and that kind of ignited a passion for just swimming down these big rivers because, you know, some people have asked me, when you Start swimming rivers like, well, that seems easy because you're being carried by the current. But river swimming is actually harder work than uh, regular swimming because as you're doing your stroke, your arm is going against the oncoming current. Plus, you know, particularly the rivers around here. I mean, it obviously does depend on which river you're talking about, but the Kiwi rivers are all twists, turns, rapids, you know, lots of whirlpools, all kinds of, you know, crazy stuff to navigate. So you have to sprint uh, at very irregular times. And, um, So it's not like an endurance swim. You know, if you're swimming for eight hours, generally you're trying to, you know, hold the same pace. But in river swimming, you have to sprint, you know, very, very often, um, you know, to get around the rapids or get out of a whirlpool or get out of an undertow, stuff like that. So after (laughs) I did this particular event down in the uh, in the Fjordland um, in the Waia River, I asked, you know, I I was still new in New Zealand at the time. And uh, I asked the guy who organized it, say, hey, which other rivers do you think would be deep enough for swimming? Because obviously not every river is, you know, you've got to have the right depth of the water. And he said uh, the Klutha River um, is the second longest river in New Zealand, but it's by far the most powerful in terms of current strength and water volume. Um, so it's the biggest river and the second longest and uh, the longest on the South Island where I live. And uh, I just, okay, so, and he said, you might be able to get away with swimming uh, the first, you know, 20 or 30 kilometers of the upper Clutha uh, because it is a pretty wild river. And uh, so, anyway, I called the harbor master, that's what they call the aquatic, uh, the, you know, the marine managers uh, down here. I'm not sure if they call them that in North America. And I said, hey, I got this idea about swimming the full length of the Clutha River over several days. And his response was, well, that would be impossible and only an idiot would even try that. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> and, like this um, idiot, right? You should get that on a name yeah, tag.
2: Well, I mean, I, I just said, you know, you know, well, I'm that kind of idiot. I mean, he eventually caved and you know gave me the permission, you know, the written permission to do it. Uh, it took a while, but we, we did it. And um, so it took, it, you know, it's, it's important to realize that You know, river swimming, you know, like I say, depending on the river, but this expedition, uh, the 256 kilometer river, I estimated it might take six days. It ended up taking four and a half. Um, But um, it's not just jump in the river and hope for the best. There's a lot of, you know, logistical expedition planning. You know, I had to get the kayak supports, and uh, my wife uh, drove the safety car, and she just looked after us. She was an absolute saint. You know, during, um, during this swim, I mean, you know, uh, she, uh, she looked after myself and my kayak support crew. You know, they were in contact with VHF radios, and we had to, you know, do all the logistics. And we scoured Google Maps and we studied all the YouTube kayaking videos of the Clutha. So, I mean, it was a big logistical effort that not only the training, but the planning took 10 months uh, to pull off and uh, have this, uh, this particular uh, Clutha River swim that had never been done before. And, um, you know, I I mentioned the aspect of control, um, there a few minutes ago, you know, three river swimming is just one of those things that, I mean, you, you, you can only do it when the river is, you know, in normal conditions and three weeks prior to me swimming the Clutha, we had a severe storm here in New Zealand where, uh, the river actually flooded. And you know, rivers, are the volume is measured in cumics. That's cubic meters of water per second. And the average flow volume of the Clutha is 600 cumics. And, you know, um, the kayaks, uh, the kayaking tour companies canceled their tours when it gets above 800. And three weeks prior to the planned start date, the, we had this storm and it got to 3,200 cumics. <laughs> um, so uh, had I planned to do the swim, you know, that week, you know, three weeks prior, I mean, we would have had to call the whole thing off because there was no way. I mean, that would have been a suicide mission. So, um, you know, uh, it's one of those things that the river does have to cooperate and, uh, you know, learn that lesson again, just this past weekend, I wanted to swim another river that I've done once before called the Buller river. And this past weekend, the river, um, had flooded and we had to postpone it till the next available good weather weekend, which also isn't this weekend. <laughs> so, Oh yeah, so uh,
0: I have so many questions. <laughs> Wait, this is me as as someone who you know had started swimming very late in her life only because I thought, oh, I could swim. I'm sure it'll be fine. It'll be no, no. <laughs> swimming is very difficult. And for those those that know the podcast, know that I've had many swimming traumatizing experiences <laughs> in my life. Um, and again, I have not, you know drowned yet or been swept away in a current still here but what the heck are the risks Rob by doing that I'm sitting here like getting anxious as you talk about these rivers I even pulled up a picture everyone's got to pull up a picture of the Clutha River to just to get an idea of what New Zealand the size of New Zealand and the size of this river the length is ridiculous and 256k I think I heard what are what's in front of you? That's what are the dangers? I know that you've, you know, had some run ins with some things in the past, but what are the dangers like what? I know you don't want to talk about what goes wrong, but like, what do you have to plan for?
2: Well, I mean, basically, we had to plan for a not being able to do it because if the river is flooded, you know, like I say, it would be a suicide mission. Um, you have to be able to manage your training to be able to sprint at a moment's notice in the midst of doing a long distance thing. So, I mean, like, if you think, right, I'm going to do a long distance, you know, I estimated six days, you know, it ended up taking four and a half, but you know, for argument's sake, a four or five day event. You say, right, I'm going to go at a slow pace that I can manage the whole time. So training, you got to be able to, you know, train yourself to sprint, you know, after you've been swimming for six or seven and, you know, maybe even eight hours. Got to sprint because I got to dodge that rock, or I got to get out of this whirlpool, or I got to get around this corner. Got to get through these rapids, um, and uh, you know the kayakers—they were in constant VHF radio contact. You know the lead kayaker was saying, "Right, there's rocks up ahead. Push them to the river left, or push them to the river right, or let's go straight down the middle." Uh, and river swimming is is not for the faint of heart. Like, I mean, when you go through rapids, um, you know it it can be nerve wracking. But I have this weird thing that. I'm insanely comfortable in the uh, in very rough water. Uh, you know, you guys have done triathlons and you've probably showed up to races where if there's even so much as a ripple on the lake, some triathletes are complaining about swim water being too rough. And when I show up and I see surf conditions, either at the beach or just rough watered up in the lake, I'm actually having a party and celebrating because I know all the other ones, uh, all the other guys are going to be upset. And, uh, you know, <laughs> but um, so basically you have to, be prepared for um, you know, doing all these sprints. Uh, I definitely recommend wearing a wetsuit if you're going to uh, swim down a river because it offers mild protection if you do have a collision. And I wear booties even if the water's not that cold, like the, the Clutha is cold. Uh, there's no warm water in New Zealand, uh, not in the <laughs> South Island anyway. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the reason we wear the neoprene booties is if you do have to stand up in the river, um, I didn't on the Clutha, but on the, another river that I've re- more recently swam, the Waimakuri River, uh, there was one section where I did have to stand up because it just got a bit shallow. Uh, just for a section, I had to stand up and walk and just, you know, it's easier to make sure you protect your feet wearing neoprene booties. And uh, you definitely you need your kayakers to be very experienced and know the river um, because, you know, they'll know, you know, there's a left turn coming up or a right turn coming up or, hey, we're going to go around these rapids, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, the, they had whistles, you know, just, you know, saying, you know, get my attention and, um, uh, you know, give me instructions. And you just got to be prepared to follow their instructions to the letter because in the kayakers, they have a higher vantage point than the swimmer. And you can't always see what's coming, so um, it, it's it is definitely not for the faint of heart. And uh, like I say, it is harder work than you might think, despite going faster with the current.
0: <laughs> I was watching. Um, I was watching video. I was watching some of the videos that you've posted swimming <laughs> through the rapids back. You know when we had first. You know corresponded, and I was like, oh my gosh! Like you said, swimming for that amount of hours and then having to, you know, really, you know, put your foot on the gas to get around a rock or this and that. And I'm sure some of it's, you know, instinct, like you're going to, that adrenaline's going to kick in, but that length, that time that you're swimming, I would imagine, and I have to say this, that as much as I'm like, wow, that's so crazy coming from a girl who did a hundred (laughs) miler on her feet in (laughs) April, I would have to think that there's something you're so, you've gotten yourself so comfortable with swimming that- Mm -hmm that that's something you enjoy and that you have the confidence and the breath and the form to do it. So I think, you know, a lot of our listeners, including myself, who were like, Oh my gosh, eight hours on the water are the same people. who day are like, day,
1: Yeah. Four and a half days.
0: Right. Are like, Oh my gosh. Well, you've, you've conditioned yourself throughout your entire life for this. And that's, what's really cool.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, there's, uh, I like i say i've always had a great comfort in the water i love rough water i learned that pretty early on in my triathlon and marathon swimming you know exploits and uh, but it was only when i moved to new zealand that i really got into these rivers and you know a lot of it is conditioning a lot of it is very much a comfort in the water uh, one of the things i love about swimming yeah, you know, i mean I, don't get me wrong i love cycling and running as well but uh, one of the things that i love about swimming is that uh Really gives you time to be exploring my introverted side. Like I, I like to think of myself as a probably 20, 30% extrovert, 70% um, introvert. And even when you're running in a small group, you still can talk to people. But even if you're swimming in a group, um, you, you can't talk to anybody unless you stop. <laughs> and uh and when i say swimming in a group it uh, turns out when i started swimming down rivers there's there hasn't been a group i'm the only one yeah no one else is <laughs>
0: <laughs> shocking uh,
1: all right <laughs> that that was definitely on my list of questions there uh you know who 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 else is doing this has anyone followed suit has anyone uh decided well, to join you or 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 better you in any way is there any competition coming well, around
2: there's i mean like like i say i mean i don't want to make it sound like i'm you know the best swimmer in the world or anything like that i mean there have been longer swimming expeditions done like i mean the fellow ross edgley you may have heard of yes. who swam the entire perimeter of britain i mean uh i'm not sure i can get 156 days off work to try to swim the perimeter <laughs> of new zealand i uh, you know but um you know and uh there are people who've swam longer rivers um and that sort of thing but um you know so far since i've been around where i am there's Whenever I say, hey, i got this great idea, let's go swim, you know, the length of the Cluther or let's go swim the the Buller or, you know, the Y. McCurry River, which all three of us the first person to ever do. Uh, no one seems to be putting up their hand and say, hey, that sounds like a great idea. Let's let sign me up, you know. <laughs> so uh, there's something about being in the water that may be a little different than, you know, running over a mountain. Like, I mean, i got plenty of friends that I run th- run through the mountains and cycle through the mountains with, you know, lots of people seem to be willing to do that uh you know rough water um you know it, it's different like uh, you know a lot of marathon swimmers don't like it when there's when there's waves and uh that's just you know part of the deal and uh when you sign up to be a marathon swimmer and and triathlete so uh rough water swimming just requires this this absolute comfort um and, and a, a kind of a surrender you know to nature uh because you know if you're out in the ocean or if you're out in the lake when the wind picks up or you're going down a river nature is in control you're not you're along for the ride and obviously you need the training and the skill set to be able to go along with it and you know to have the best possible outcome but uh, nature's in charge and you're 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 along for the ride and i love that
0: tell us about the turtle uh, rob tell us about nature uh, as you say that what's the turtle story can you please fill us in on this
2: uh, sorry say again
0: the turtle story
2: Oh right. Um, well, there was a particular um, swim that I was doing. This is when I was living in Australia. Um, I was um, um, I was in a I was just doing a solo marathon swim for about twenty kilometers along the length of the beach, and I was really gunning for it. I, uh, there were some circumstances where I couldn't go to a particular marathon swimming race that I wanted to, and I was a bit upset. So I just decided to make my own. And I was just really hammering. And uh, I got myself into a really wonderful mindset. Uh, I was really, you know, and it, it went from being upset about not being able to race to really enjoying what I was doing solo. And I was literally swimming along, looking at the fish, looking at the beautiful water, you know, you know, Australian beaches are just stunning. And uh, I was th- literally thinking, hmm, sky's blue, fish are swimming, birds are chirping, living a really happy life here. And then there's just wham, slammed into a, a sea turtle. And, uh, you know, um, my arm came down across the top of it and I crunched my shoulder. And uh, <laughs> I thought for a split second that I'd hit a shark. And, you know, I so I started to sprint away and fully dislocated my shoulder. And then, you know, turned around thinking I was going to have to try to kick at this shark that was, you know, definitely going to win this fight. And I was looking into the eyes of a sea turtle and, okay, well, I'm not in that much trouble. But I am out here in the ocean now with a dislocated shoulder. So basically, that's one of my many mishaps. Um, I lost a fight to a turtle that wasn't even a ninja. <laughs> oh
0: my goodness! So, so that you didn't hold on to the turtle, and it wasn't like a magical ride right. where he pulled you back to the <laughs> no, beach?
2: No. No. I uh, unfortunately, the turtle. I I, I did have the. I, you know, I was more concerned after I realized I wasn't in you know life threatening being eaten danger. I had to, you know, basically pop my shoulder back in, oh. you know, and get, get through the surf because I, I was out in the, you know, at a surf beach. And, uh, yeah, it was very, very painful. And, I you know, I went immediately to my chiropractor's, I um, um, uh, went to the chiropractor office. So I'm, I'm a chiropractor myself. And, uh, you know, we started the rehab and it took, I don't know, six, seven weeks or so. Uh, to rehab my shoulder but that was uh, what year would that have been probably 2013 I think and you know I haven't had any problems with it since because I've rehabbed it well and you know we mentioned the training for river swimming you know I do a lot of yoga and Pilates which gives you a lot of postural strength Uh, so you need postural strength to sprint when Mm -hmm. you're in the middle of a long distance challenge for sure.
1: What's what's the longest single day? So I know you've done the Two fifty six. Uh, you said uh, yeah. over four and a half days, which, boy, even dice that up. That's about wow. a marathon a day, right? Um, Something challenges. like that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so, what? What about the uh, single, single furthest effort, one shot?
2: Uh, my longest swim. Uh, I have, like I say, I'm not someone who's done the longest one day stuff. Um, I really like doing stage stuff to take okay. anywhere between two to six days. My longest ever. Uh, swim was nine and a half hours. That was across the beautiful Lake Tekapo, which is another glacial lake in New Zealand. But I'm going to go further than that this coming February. Um, I'm going to try to swim across the biggest lake on South Island, which is called Lake Pukaki, uh, which happens to be sitting in front of the um, um, the tallest mountain in New Zealand, which is called Mount Araki in the, uh, or Araki. I'm not, I've never been 100% sure. Apologies to my Kiwi friends. Uh, that's the Maori uh, name of it, but it's also known as Mount Cook. Um, so it's either Mount Araki or Araki. I've never been I've never been sure. But uh, Lake Pukaki is going to be thirty kilometers, and I estimate that'll take about ten hours. Um, but uh, yeah, one of the things I often do is you know do a marathon swim, and then the next day I'll do a long bike ride, <laughs> and the next day after that I'll do a long run. So they're like self made adventure triathlons, and. Uh, yeah, so that's what when I swam the Buller, which was 42k, that took uh, seven seven hours and change. Uh, that was day one of a of a triathlon. Where the next day I was mountain biking, what's called the Paparoa Track, and the third day I was running up um, Avalanche Peak. And Avalanche Peak is exactly <laughs> as it sounds. <laughs>
0: so- I love this. You're- Avalanche <laughs> Peak. Yeah. If you make it through yeah. the shark infested waters, <laughs> and you know you've taken your bike eight hundred miles through the desert, it's, then you get to go to Avalanche. It's like a
1: it's like a board game, right? Yeah. It's like it's like can, Candyland or something like that, you know. Molasses uh, swamp on up to uh, right, yeah. right, yeah. Avalanche. Peak.
0: Mm-hmm. avalanche
2: oh. Yeah, so so that concept of like self made adventure triathlons is what I've gotten into as I've gotten a little older. Like I still do competition. Um, you know i 've got an Olympic distance triathlon um, in just over a week's time, um, but i'm gotten more into uh, these adventure triathlons, often which are self made um, because uh, there's not a whole lot of uh, stage triathlons out there. And I always wanted to do a triathlon where the swim didn't feel like an afterthought, being a strong swimmer. Like, you know, even in an Ironman, you know, the swim is only 4K, which takes an hour and change, you know, for uh, some people means slightly less than an hour. And, uh, you know, you're on the bike for, you know, hours and And hours, and then you're running a marathon. (laughs) So, um, you know, I I always wanted to uh, do a triathlon where, you know, even an Ultraman, they have a 10K swim, which takes me about three hours or less depending on the water conditions. But you're on the bike on the first day as well. Then you do a long bike the second day and a long run the uh, third day. I said, why do we only have, have to have a ten k swim in an Ultraman? Why can't we do a forty two kilometer river swim? You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. So. I, I, I was going to
1: ask you about Ultraman. Is that <laughs> is that something that's on the radar or on the list, or have I, you done that? I, or? I, I,
2: I I have done one. Uh, there's not a whole lot of them available, but I, I have done one, and uh, you know it's definitely on the list of uh, things to do. And uh, you know they've recently started one in New Zealand, I think. Cool. Um, uh, so, but but yeah, I've I just found that I'm getting more joy out of doing these self made adventures. Yeah. where, like I say, that um, because one of the things I noticed about competition, I think this might be a sign of getting a little older, um, is, you know, I, when I get to the top of mountains or, you know, you get to the middle of a lake, I'm not, you know, if there's a beautiful view, I'm not afraid to stop and just soak it up just for a moment. Absolutely. You know, which which you, which you wouldn't do when you're in competition. Um, but that's one of the things I love about being in the mountains or being out in the middle of the ocean or in the middle of the lake or in a river um, is when there's a view to look at. I want to make sure I take time to look at it. Um, so yeah, I, like I say, I still do competition, but uh, I want to make sure I, you know, nature is what uh, fills up my soul now rather than chasing personal best times. Um, so um, that's what I've been more into.
1: I love I love that these you know these self made challenges and and things. This is what brings him the most joy. Yeah. <laughs> exact words <Yeah>. quote and. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and like I tried a few different things. Like, I mean, you uh, think, uh, Christine, you mentioned ultra marathoning, and I, I have done some ultra marathons, but I found, you know, what I like the most is uh, um, I, I thought when ultra marathoning became, you know, really popular, you know, I'm the sort of guy that would do that, but I just found I, I wasn't enjoying ultra marathons as much as I was uh, doing Ironman and these self made adventure triathlons mm-hmm. and these marathon swims. So, I sort of, you know, and I also found, you know, couldn't sustain doing ultra running, triathlon, yoga, camping, cycle, touring, you know, the whole bit, you know, cause you also got to work for a living. And, Absolutely. um, you know, I also wanted to, uh, you know, have relationships as well. Um, so I just kind of gave myself permission to not be an ultra runner and be okay with being a, you know, back country runner. Uh, but a lot of that was multi-sport, um, as well. So, you know, like avalanche peak took me four and a half hours to run and I was okay with a four and a half hour mountain run after swimming a river and mountain biking <laughs> through the back country.
0: <laughs> it's very humble yeah, at this point. Absolutely. You know, well, it's a, yeah. you know, what is amazing, Rob, is that you, to the average person, you are doing amazing, you know, superhero feats yet. It's <laughs> not about, Hey, you know what? I have to get this time and I have to do this and I'm working with the trainer. And if I don't make this and it's, you're doing it because you're like, I really enjoy this. This is for me and I'm not chasing, you know, a gold medal or a pony or whatever it is. It's, I really enjoy this and it takes a lot of, I would say just a lot of, um, maturity to get to that point of realizing what life's really about.
2: Yeah. I mean, like when I was, you know, got into it as a teenager, you know, I mean, I did, you know, have, um, uh, in retrospect, a few delusions of grandeur that maybe I'd win the Olympics or something like that. But, you know, and uh, you know, I did a lot of training and, um, you know, really intensive stuff. And, you know, at different times, life got out of balance and, you know, if, you know, like everyone else who's been doing this stuff long enough, if you, if you haven't failed in an endurance sport event, you haven't had as many, you know, you haven't been doing it long enough. Cause so soon I've had my share of failure. I've had my share of failures, you know, like, and, you know, I mean, I'm going to attempt to swim Lake Pukeki, but I don't know that the weather's going to cooperate or, you know, like you could get sick, you know, or, you know, injuries can happen and that sort of thing. But um, that's something um, I wrote about um, and became very important to me was, you know, really just diving deep. It's like, right, I'm 46. I'm probably not going to get to the Olympics. I'm probably not going to be recognized as the, you know, uh greatest athlete of all time or anything like that. Like I never ever had that sort of mindset, but you know, like why keep doing this? No one's making me do this. So what's the reason? And, uh, you know, the simple answer is, you know, um, I know myself best when I'm having these adventures, particularly swimming, but also definitely cycling and running. And, um, uh, and that's the why there's no, nothing really complicated about it. It's, uh, you know, um, I think I was 17 or I might have been 18 years old at the time when Garth Brooks came out with the song The River. And I wanted to quote that song in my book, but turned out uh, legally you're not allowed to quote song lyrics, so I just uh, referenced it without quoting it. But uh, the, one of the quotes of The River that struck me when I was a you know, teenager was, you know, don't you sit up on the shoreline and say you're satisfied, choose to chance the rapids and dare to dance the tide. And on day four of the Clutha, when I was having a bit of trouble, you know, uh, my shoulders are starting to yell at me a lot. Um, that's one of the songs I was singing mentally in my head um, to uh, to keep keep myself going. And um, you know, I found myself loving that song when I was a teenager. And then fast forward thirty years, I was literally actually doing that in the Clutha River. <laughs>
1: that that is just amazing <laughs> yep and and uh no coincidence yep. i don't believe uh you know i think you were meant to hear the song and meant to understand the song and eventually put it into yeah. play and and uh get yourself through that fourth day uh, fourth four and a half days and uh, look, just a beautiful time to uh, to wrap things up with you. I know that we don't want to keep you because, like you said, you still do have to work for a living, right? Mm. So, uh, <laughs> yep, we will... I
2: got to go be at work in five minutes. So, uh, <laughs> hey, yeah, sponsors!
0: I, mean... <laughs> um, I think Rob could uh, definitely, you know, throw some symbols on his wetsuits and clothing. <laughs> Cap and <his> Everyone <laughs> out there birdies. right now, hello. I know we're trying, Rob. I, I really, you know, you deserve yeah. it. That's awesome.
1: Uh, tell tell us how we can get the book. Tell us how they can people okay. can find you on socials and uh, and and take it away. Yep. Yeah.
2: Well, my book is called Downriver Nomad, and, uh, and the subtitle is A Triathlete's Adventures and in Adversities into the Rapids. Uh, my name's Rob Hutchings, and the book's available on all the uh, you know the, the major online book retailers you know, from Amazon to Book Depository, Burns & Noble, uh, you know, pretty much you name the book retailer, it'll probably be there. Um, And uh, it's available both in ebook and print form. Um, I'm told that people who ordered the print book uh, had to wait a little bit because these supply chain issues um, are affecting books and all that sort of thing as well. Uh, Some people are getting it within three days, some people are taking three or four weeks. I only launched it, you know, um, last month, so you know, um, it, it's it's a brand new book,
1: good.
2: and um, yeah. So um, I wrote the book basically, um, you know, the second day of the first lockdown. Um, I asked myself, you know, uh, what am I going to do? Am I going to be a Netflix junkie, or am I going to put the time to good use? And <laughs> writing a book is writing a book has been something I've always wanted to do, and I just wanted to finish with this note. Uh, I mean, in my opinion, this is kind of a Message I'd like to get across to you know weekend warrior athletes who are maybe not elite but you know like to push the limits. Like I always had it on my life to do list to write a book, but thought who would write a who would read a book about little old me? And um, you know, um, and then when the lockdown hit, and I suddenly found myself a with a you know only a month prior I'd finished the Clutha, and I immediately thought, oh, that's a good conclusion to a book, which turned out it is. Um, um, I. You know, I found, suddenly found myself at the time, and I asked myself, you know, if I know for a fact I'm not going to make money by doing this, is this something I really want to do? And turned out the answer was yes. Uh, so it took longer than the first Kiwi lockdown, which was seven weeks, but I really got the uh, you know a lot of the first draft uh, done then. But I, it, you know, working full time, it took me eighteen months to get it out there. So. I'd encourage anyone who actually thinks they want to write a book, whether you, you know, I I think most endurance athletes have a, have a story that's probably worth telling. Um, so if you think this is something I want to do, try not to think of it. Oh, I want to be a bestseller. You know, if you really want to do it, do it even if you don't know, you'll make money. And, um, you know, it was a very therapeutic exercise and a very worthwhile exercise, writing a book. And I, you know, Uh, The people that have read it so far, some of people who I know, some people who I don't know, um, you know, I've got some wonderful messages from people around the world saying uh, they've enjoyed the story. So I hope many of your listeners will as well.
0: I didn't make him say anything about books and writing
2: over the <laughs> pandemic. I'm just going to throw that out there, Brian.
1: Christine's book will be released <laughs> shortly. Don't worry, audience. Oh. We'll touch, we'll touching on that as well. Yeah. Christine's Yeah, I, I very I much,
0: very much am, uh, in agreement with, I always wanted to write and it was, this was the time and, uh, yeah, January, oh. 2022. Oh. So you're, uh, you're ahead of me a little bit. So I'm excited to get my hands <laughs> on, on yours to see what, to see what you did since, uh, yeah, there's a paper shortage. Oh, That's what my publicist told well, me this week. <laughs> Christine, yeah, we well, need to move you. fast because there's a paper shortage in the world. I'm like, what? Yeah, this is life yeah, right now.
2: Weird times and another lesson in no control. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, um, uh, good luck with your book, and please, uh, you know, send me a message telling me what the title is, and I'll definitely look forward to getting it. Uh, I think you said January. That'd be great. Yeah, I'll. Uh... Yeah. I'll
0: let you know. But, Don't you worry. We'll we'll cross-promote <laughs> each other. Oh, my gosh.
2: Absolutely. Well, with apologies, I do have to run oh. because my first patient is waiting right now, and uh, I'm getting an angry message from my receptionist, so uh, I do have to wrap this up. <laughs>
1: Rob, thank you very much. We appreciate excellent stories, and i uh, looking forward to reading up on you more.
0: We will thank talk you so to you Thanks for having me. With that said, everyone, it is Christine Conti And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazies. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Peace.